Hey, by any chance, are you looking for a new representative, a Swiss representative or a UK representative? Then contact Easy Medical Device at info at easymedicaldevice.com. I-N-F-O at easymedicaldevice.com. And you'll get a great service. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy Podcast. I am Munir Alazuzi, a medical device expert specialized on quality and regulatory affairs. My mission is to help you learn how to place a compliant medical device on the market. For that, I share with you my experience and the one of others on this podcast. Are you ready for your dose of regulation and standards today? Okay, so let the show begin. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Here is Munir Alazuzi from easymedicaldevice.com. And today we will talk about UK. So we just had a, a big alert, if I can say, because as of July 1st, 2023, the UK is changing the rules. And we wanted to remind you that uh, today to explain to you more about uh, the situation in the UK after Brexit. I mean, we talk about the Brexit since a long time, but now we'll talk about Again, some changes within the UK. And for that, for that I have with me Adam Ray, uh, who is a QA area consultant and who will help us to understand the situation. So Adam, welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Thanks, Maria. Big fan. <laughs> Great. So uh, just maybe uh, as an introduction, I mean, uh, as a beginning, can you introduce yourself just to explain who you are so that people can yeah. have a better understanding of, of you? Yeah, sure. Thanks. So, yeah, so working in a QARA in the medical device industry for the past eight or nine years now, I'm starting to get starting to get a bit older, which is strange. Um, so I can now, I'm almost at a decade of working now. Um, so, uh, yeah, I've worked in a variety of devices, uh, so medical devices and vitro diagnostics, um, as well as impl active implantable devices. Um, and, I've, you know, in, in a kind of range of regions um, covering MDSAP. EU and then now obviously having to do a lot of work with the kind of some of the, the kind of turmoil that's been caused a little bit by as a result of Brexit for some of um you know manufacturers supplying in and out of. So worked on a yeah, variety of variety of different, different industries, lots of stuff within risk management, um 14971, also huge focus on supplier quality, um, general QMS stuff, but then also really moved into regulatory. Um, in the past few years as well, given that, you know, the way quality management and regulatory integrate so much now, especially with having to have all these different types of regulations, you know, all stemming from the one place. Great. Um, so, uh, and you are, where are you located? Just for the <laughs> situation. Um, everywhere. So I live, I live in Chester. So my, my uh, consultancy company is based out of the UK in Chester. And so we mostly operate within Europe and the UK, but we're looking to kind of move into... Oh, great. Of, so uh, a consultant in the UK to talk about the UK regulation, which is yeah. <laughs> great then. Yes. What better, what better match? Exactly. Uh, so yeah. uh, as, as a beginning, maybe uh, just maybe for also for people that maybe have no uh, understanding of the UK situation for now. So can we make a, re a recall about uh, UK... Uh, UK Brexit, maybe when it happened officially, and then what's what's the situation in terms of timeline here? Yeah, so I stand back from when you know when the the, the UK had had you know obviously had a referendum to express as there was quite a bit of interest expressed and in, you know departing from the European Union. Um, that referendum was in 2016, and then as a result of that referendum, when the UK agreed to leave the European Union, obviously there's a huge you know, kind of, it's a huge, huge exercise. Um, it took around four, five years to four years to get to the point of which a deal was agreed. Yeah. Um, that deal essentially 
you know, kind of agreed that on the 1st of January 2021, the UK would leave um, the EU. Um, and as a result of that, that's where, you know, lots of, as we know, our industry, the medical device industry, as well as other industries like data protection, yeah. um, you know, the regulate other legislation and regulation has also significantly been affected by this. Um, it kind of left that question of, well, how does regulation work? Um, given that this change in landscape with, you know, the directives moving from directives to regulation, um, you know, the 1st of January was really when the UK officially left the EU um, formally. And that's when we started hearing about transition periods exactly. of medical device regulations and what UK uh, is going to do for that. That's kind of really where it came from for the context. Great. And so in terms of this transition period, so, um, I mean, how, ma how many time they give, if I can say, to the companies that are already in the, in the market, like CMA, so how many time they give them, if I can say, to, to transition to this? Not much. Doesn't seem like much. Um, it's it's a, fairly, a fairly complex regulated environment, if you think of it as a manufacturer. Um, so from the 1st of June, or the end of June, sorry, 2023, um, medical, you know, CE marking, as we, as we know within the European Union, will no longer be recognised um, in, the, in, the, in the UK. Um, as a result of that, the UK have created the UK uh, conformity assessment. Um, they are essentially the UK CE mark, which can be classed as essentially their equivalent. Um, from there, that's really where we start to see the, the two regulations really, really start to differ. So right now, manufacturers are covered. But from the end of June 2023, CE marking is no longer recognized, um, you know, from, from then. So really, if we start looking at when manufacturers need to do something, you know, you've only, they only had a year and a half from the tw from um, no, two and a half years, sorry, from the 1st of January 2021. Now it's like a year, um, you know, notified bodies. Doesn't, it's not, a, it's not a, a approved bodies. It's not a fast process. So there's not a lot of time. Um, but when you dig into it, like we're going to do today, a lot of organizations should realize it's not, maybe not quite as bad as what they seem on the surface, as what it seems yeah. on the surface. If you've got things in a good place, you should be okay. Okay. So um, now, uh, as I've said, we have some customers that are already, some companies that are already in the UK market. So they have already yeah. registered their products. Uh, you, you need a UK representative and then the UK representative will register the products in the MHRA database. And if it's yeah. EMR product, as we said, we still have a transition until uh, June 2020, uh, July yeah. 1st, 2023. Uh, yeah. But if now, let's say that we have only one year to July 2023, uh, what should we do now? Should we wait July 2023 to think of now starting to transition to UKCA or is it something that we should start already? It's some of ideally should have been started um, already by now. Um, definitely something that needs to be started ASAP um, for an organization, at least to consider it. Um, you know, we don't really know how things are going to evolve, to be honest, with the way, you know, the way things are moving, you know, the, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bank on there being any sort of extensions and stuff like that. And, and you know, we can't rely on that. So for manufacturers that wish to continue to sell CE mark products within the UK, you know, begin your plan to implement, you know, conformity towards the UKC. If you already UKCA, if you already have CE marking, it's a case of you know doing your doing your gap analysis, starting to really understand your current state, um, where you are, and you know, obviously depending on what devices you're supplying and stuff like that, 
Um, and then you need to consider, you know, the, the appointment of a notified body and having that plan in place. Because in theory, the way things are looking right now, as soon as that hard deadline is passed on at the end of June, your products cannot be sold. Exactly. And so, which, um, I mean, uh, we have, as I've said, some, some, some regulation that is, are also in place related to MDD, uh, MDR, yeah. etc. in Europe. Um, what's the situation in the UK? So which law is applicable as of now, if I can say? What, 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 I mean, how can people, which documentation they need to have available so that they can pretend to go for UKCA marking and then be maybe safe for, for this market? Yeah. So if you're, so it's quite, I think it goes back to if we, if we take this question back a little bit and say, you know, should we have one, if you look at it from a quality system perspective, should there be one quality system for one, one for another kind of thing? You know, they're all driven from the same, from the same system, essentially. That's definitely the one way to think about it. But the manufacturer should definitely delineate between the two, um, you know, and obviously to have, you know, they can stem from the same system, but essentially the, the requirements are, are essentially different. So if they wish to sell into the UK, then it's the UK MDR is what they would need to be considering. Right now they could use MDR and still be, you know, still be fine till the end of June, 2023. But going forward is the UK MDR as they can be found on the UK government website, which is obviously, as we know, based predominantly upon the medical device directive. Yeah. You know, from there, again, the medical device directive is not very prescriptive in terms of technical documentation requirements and stuff like that. Um, but generally, you would want to, obviously, you want to have your documentation to actually be able to apply to your UK approved body, of which there's only a few, and we'll, we'll get to that at some point, I'm sure. Um, you know, your declaration of conformity, which I've got some more detail on as well, but that's very aligned to the EU declaration of conformity. You know, the kind of, again, medical device directive is the main driver for it. Um, technical documentation, you know, you'd obviously the standard kind of stuff, general description of your product, design specifications, techniques used for design control. Um, if it's going to be an ancillary device, you know, you need to discuss the references and how that works and the relationships with other devices, any clinical and preclinical evaluation documentation, any labeling or draft labels that you propose to use would be what I'd consider to do. Um, but because that list is not very prescriptive, manufacturers could use the um, documentation requirements as identified in Annex 2 of the MDR um, as the basis for it. So, you know, with that, that kind of gives you a really, really clear kind of checklist of things to work through that just makes things a bit easier. Um, in general, the MDR requirements go over and above the requirements of the UKCA, um, which is obviously just because it's based on directors. But, you know, I would heed the manufacturers a warning and say it's key that they are able to show compliance to the applicable regulation or legislation that they're trying to demonstrate to it, as opposed to just saying, oh, we're doing MDR Therefore, we, we, we need, you know, the, the UK CA. It's just very, very tread, tread carefully with that approach. Exactly. Um, so the marking, uh, so we have CE marking for Europe. Uh, we have UK CA marking, if I can say, for UK now. Uh, yeah. So is there some changes of the rule? Can I have all the marking in one label and it's fine? Or <laughs> what, how it's working this yeah. Yeah, so UKCA marking is quite, you know, if we, if we just make it, break it down really simply, UKCA marking will not be recognised in, in the EU, not allowed. CE marking will not be allowed in the, in the UK. In terms of the labelling requirements, 
um, the UKCA and the MDR requirements, uh, I'm sorry, UK MDR requirements, um, make reference to designated standards is what they've been called, um, which are essentially harmonized standards when we look at the, the EU MDR. Um, they are very, very similar to the harmonized standards that we are kind of used to. So that's where when we really start to dive into this problem, Neil, we kind of see things aren't quite as scary as what they look like on the surface when you actually dive into this. So the designated standards that have been applied um, and deemed appropriate by the UK MDR still reference things such as ISO 15223. Yeah. So these harmonized standards that we know and have implemented previously, if you're a, uh, you know, a non-UK manufacturer in the EU wishing to sell in here, you, know, you can still leverage ISO 15223 as your basis for labeling um, and information to be supplied by the manufacturer. So labeling-wise, literally the only thing that should be changing is your mark. And um, in terms of... Uh of uh, other quality management system uh, activities, like for example, uh, vigilance reporting. Uh, we yeah. have now the rules under MDD and MDR. Uh, yep. Does it change anything for UK or it's exactly the same rule so I don't need to, to change anything? It's essentially, it's very similar to the way it was before. So vigilance is obviously treated each country. Vigilance has always kind of been a bit of a, an interesting kind of thing to navigate as a quality system, you know, from as a quality system manager, you know, like trying to have that input between, you know, all these different regulated jurisdictions. It's quite a complex thing. So the they've always, in contrast to the way regulations have become, vigilance requirements have always been individual in different countries. Um, in terms of the format, the deadlines, and the recipients of vigilance reports, they've always kind of been somewhat individual. So for the UK, process still remains essentially the same. The vigilance procedure needs to be unique to the UK. You know, just like if you're, if it's a, a FDA vigilance report you're submitting, it needs to be unique to the FDA, you know, unless you're using obviously MDSAP, but it still does need to use that. Um, so it's essentially still runs through the MHRA um, and there's still its own process and it's, you know, and its individuality. Um, once the medical device is placed on the market in the UK, the manufacturer would be required to submit vigilance reports to the MHRA um, when certain incidents occur or when they potentially require reporting. Um, and it's all to just go through the MHRA. Yeah. So um, as a UK responsible person for, for some of our customers, we had to manage some vigilance reporting with the MHRA. Uh, there is this um, more database, if I can say, if I remember. can't remember mm -hmm. the name, but uh, there is doors and more. So there is yeah. a lot of, of those. Uh, so we had to publish on the more database. And mainly what was great is that uh, we placed the, the, how to say, the, the EU vigilance reporting uh, MIR form there. Yeah. And they picked all the information. They placed it in the right The templates yeah. for for the for the UK, which was great for from our side. They just filled one document. They placed everything because there was those kind of XML uh, format or whatever, and then yeah. they were uh, able to capture this information, which avoided me to write down everything one by one. So which was yeah. which was great so, for, for yeah. this. But uh, yeah. yeah, I think it's 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 great that there is some alignment, and I hope yeah, even with the new regulation that they will have, there will be some some kind of alignments. Um, in terms yeah. of the pain point, if I can say, related to this regulation. This is the same as what we have actually for EU, which is the numbers of approved bodies, not notified bodies, approved yeah. bodies. So we are complaining in Europe because we have like <laughs> now 20, 30, 30 notified bodies. Yeah. How many do we have in, 
in, in the UK? Three. Three. <laughs> Three. It's the the pool. the The pool is low, many <laughs> It's a challenge. It's um. So yeah. So currently three. Um. You know, and not, and there is some particularity for those three yeah. because uh, so, it's it's, yeah. it's 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 it it will get worse if I can say. <laughs> yeah. So so of the three, BSI, um, you know, so it's BSI, SGS, and UL. Um, BSI can uh, are you know approved or designated for uh, MD, so medical devices, implant, implantable devices, and the, the and IVDs, SGS. Um, only medical devices and IVDs, uh, UL only IVDs. So, you know, if you're, if you're implantable devices, it's, it's, it's BSI or no one at the moment. So it's, yeah, it's challenging. So if you need, if you have an active implantable medical device, you have no choice than to go with BSI. Uh, if you have uh, a medical device, you can go or with BSI or with uh, SGS. And right. if you have in vitro, you can go with all all, all of them. So BSI, SGS, and, and UL. So yeah, yeah, it makes it more complex. Uh, yeah. And um, we have already some challenges. Uh, I mm. mean, I because I, I have customers that goes to the, the UK and uh, they say, yeah, they say to me that they are notified body, we choose one of those, <laughs> says that they have no time or the time is like one year or more to start to review their technical file or change things. So, yeah, but at that time, it will be already... The, the date will be passed, so what will be done? So I don't know if there is a plan B, if I can say, for the UK in terms of this transition period, because with three notified bodies and all and the changes of the regulation at the same time and all the people that are trying now to sell in the UK, uh, it will be really a, a, big, a big problem. Um, yeah. We heard just from, I mean, I heard that from BSI, but I don't know. Um, there is also this kind of uh, a bridging procedure. So can mm. we talk maybe more about that? Yeah, yeah. So um, BSI uh, are you know one of the few who are designated, obviously within within the UK for um, able to issue UKCA and within uh, the EU. So it's a really really good place to be as a business. Yeah. Um, you know, from that perspective, when you look at it, you're like, that's a, that's a really really good position to be in. Um, so they. BSI, while you are, you know, if, so if you have BSI as a notified body, you could essentially use the Netherlands region, which is where the headquarters are now, um, to give you your CE marking. That takes care of all of your, you know, kind of jurisdiction for the EU, Northern Ireland. But then because they also have the designation to be able to do the uh, UKCA mark, they're able to somewhat translate conformity between the two regulations requirements because they're designated to do both. Um, it's within the UK MDR. Um, there's, uh, you know, and when it talks about the MDR, IVD, and the active implantable devices, there's sections of those clauses, and, you know, we can get the detail for people after this, but it's like section 19, section 30, section 44, just off the top of my head, um, which essentially demonstrates traceability between MDR, IVDR, and the UK MDR. So what BSI can essentially do is say, right, you have CE marking with us, you want to go for UK CE, therefore we know that we don't need to look at these requirements and you can kind of speed up and make that assessment process a bit easier um, for the, the manufacturers that wish to see it or vice versa, you know, it makes things a bit easier. So it's a that's a really good position to be in if you have BSI as your notified body or if you're BSI and you're in that unique position. 
And I think SGS can be also in that case because they also have an office in Europe. UL, I don't think, I don't see uh, anything in, U- in Europe, but no, uh, SGS have also an office in, yeah. in Europe. So I suppose, I don't know if they, they can also do the same, same thing. Yeah, they could, yeah. So um, if you are with those notified bodies, then it can be a chance for you because then it can help you to move quicker. Yeah. Um, but yeah, even that will not help you to shorten some timelines sometimes because uh, yeah. it's a question of resources. It's a question of people being available to do the assessments of your documentation. If yeah. they are not here, they are not here. So I mean, you, you can well, have a, yeah. a good location. If you don't have the resources, it will not work out at all. And that's one of the problems, obviously, that, that is a lot of this is being rooted from the, a lot of these changes in the, in the actual, the way that there's the, obviously, like you said, many others, the change from actual, the, you know, actually the UK leaving the EU, which is like the kind of the regulated environment has, ch- has changed. Um, however, obviously, with the changes to the, the ND, from the NDD to the MDR and IVDD to the IVDR, you know, so much more devices have just been brought into scope that even BSI, SGS, as big as, as those organizations are, they are struggling to, to find, you know, first of all, the appropriate competency because of the number of the, uh, you know, additional devices, such as we spoke before about cosmetic contact lenses, you know, all these other devices that previously were in the scope that even BSI and SGS are, you know, have to find the competency to be able to certify these organizations um, under that. So it's, it's made the, you know, the kind of, the scope has kind of went from like almost the reverse of a pyramid like that to that, you know, and the amount of bodies that can do it is, is also significantly reduced. So it's going to be super interesting to see how they do it because there's going to be a lot of manufacturers that at the end of June, 2023, you know, I don't imagine will have been in the queue yeah. to be visited by a UK approved body. Now, I think, and, and as I've said, I already have some customers that are struggling. They are asking now and they say, no, we cannot within the next uh, next year, uh, which is a big, a big problem for, for them. So I don't know yeah. if there is a plan B or if there is maybe a, a new thing that will be done by the UK, but this is mainly um, a situation that will also happen to EUMDR and end of 2024, because this is also the date where uh, MDD is stopping and then MDR should be yep. booked. So everybody will have to rush before this date also for, for being yeah. MDR satisfied. So this is the same for, for UK now. Um, okay, so we talked a lot about UK, but there is yeah. a small, small piece of UK, if I can say, that creates some more struggle or more problem. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's Northern Ireland. So. We have within Northern Ireland what we call the Northern Ireland Protocol, uh, yep. which makes the, this land different than the rest. Uh, yeah. So can we talk more about that and try to understand exactly how this is working? Yeah, sure thing. So yeah, no, the Northern, Northern Ireland Protocols, um, again, again, you know, as, as a quality and regulatory guy, super interesting just to see the way it's kind of evolved. Um, so I think, again, it seems very complex in the outset, but if we really break it down to its absolute core, the, what the Northern Ireland Protocol essentially says is that you know, MDR, IVDR, EU versions are applied within Northern Ireland. You know, UK MDR does not apply within Northern Ireland, essentially, is, is, is the, the crux of it. So if you're a previous, if you're an EU manufacturer, you have products placed on the market that are in Northern Ireland. You know the timeline; it doesn't need to worry you. 
essentially you can continue to sell your products. You've got CE marking, your devices are on the market. Everything's cool. The only complexity that's somewhat been added is for UK manufacturers wishing to place devices on the market within Northern Ireland. That's kind of where you start getting into a bit of complications with regards to responsible persons or authorised representatives. But like I said, if you are an EU manufacturer, you already have have an authorised representatives. You're fine to continue sale post June 2023. It's not, you know, nothing really changes for you. Essentially, it's just it's just part of that part of that regulatory framework as well in itself. Um, if you are a UK manufacturer wishing to go in there, then you know you need to essentially get CE marking to do that. Um, for that, so you need to have you need to be audited by you know a designated body that can provide you CE marking. You need to have an authorized, depending on the classification of your device, money. You need to have um, an authorized person um, or representative to do that. Um, you know, either within you know within the EU or within Northern Ireland. Again, very similar to if you're trying to gain entry just into a normal you know a kind of other location within the EU. So if we just treat it exactly like that. Um, so, and then there's this ad- additional complication of that some there is the talk right now. Well, none have been, you know, none are approved to do so. That UK bodies, UK approved, you know, UK approved bodies could be authorized to provide CE marking to Northern Ireland, and then that would require the labeling of a CE mark plus a UK NI mark. Which yeah. basically the the aim behind that mark, Manier, as opposed to just a CE mark, is that that spe- that shows that this the device has been um, certified by a UK notified body is what they're calling them, but that's essentially a UK approved body that's been given designation to do that. So um, UK, uh, so as we said, we have a need of an authorized representative. Uh, if you have a company that is located in Northern Ireland. It yeah. can be an authorized representative for the UK market yes. and for the European market. So it can be a EU authorized representative because it's in Northern Ireland and European yeah. is considered there. And yeah. it can be a UK responsible person because they are also located in the UK region. Correct. So if I can say, if you have your office there, it's good because it's you, can, you can serve uh, yeah. customers uh, in, the, in those two uh, countries. But yeah, I, it is it is what it is um we what we know is that also there are maybe some changes that can come this is still in the air there are some changes that are going coming etc so um yeah we are in a transition period so at the end the, the things can happen so uh, yeah. until it happens i mean we, we already know that as i said in july we have the 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 new regulation that is coming uh, I mean, yep. not the new regulation, the new timeline, but as uh, UK has also made a consultation for their new regulation in November, yep. maybe by that time, the new regulation will be also coming. So then you'll have, have to apply the new regulation, which is yep. more apparently aligned to EUMDR than not yes. MDD, but MDR is not approved now in the UK, et cetera, et cetera. So it's like... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so, when yeah. I say it like that, it makes it, it makes like confusion. But no, it's it's clear. I mean, uh, it's clear in the head of uh, of, of a lot yeah. of people. But uh, yeah, I, I, we can we can we can understand that some people are confused about all this situation yeah. because 
So if you don't go to Northern Ireland, it's great. If you go to Northern Ireland, rules and you and between UK and Northern Ireland are changing. But yep. yeah, it's uh, it's it's something that uh, you can you can maybe discuss. So yeah. is there anything else that we can say about the situation here? Um, yes, the, the with, just to maybe add a bit of clarity towards the CE, CE combined with the UK and I mark yeah. um, with that. So that mark um, would not be recognised to be sold within the EU. Um, you know that. So if you're in, if you're a manufacturer within Northern Ireland. The CE UK and I mark is only valid in Northern Ireland. So you um, have to have two two labels: one for the Northern Ireland, one for uh, for Europe. Is it the same for UK? Can you have UK CA in Europe and uh, also in uh, in in yeah, yeah. in, uh, in uh, UK? I mean UK CA um, and CE in Europe together. You would have UK. So if you're if you're UK, if you're Northern Ireland and you're wishing to sell into the UK, UK CA mark. If you are Northern Ireland and you're wishing to sell into Europe, it's only CE. And if you are European and you want to sell to Northern to UK, uh, do you need both? Can you have both CE and UKCA, or should you have only UKCA? Or how is you it? Have, you can have both, but the the CE mark wouldn't be recognised. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly, exactly. It's just so, a question. It's just a question of labelling because people have also this logistic part to say, uh, should yeah. I create a specific label for? Uh, UK a specific one for Northern Ireland, a specific one for Europe, etc. And they prefer to have one label with everything. So yeah, uh, we yeah, understand I would, now. I would I would recommend yeah, like that's I think that's kind of where it would help. You know, I'm I'm a visual guy, and I think I think we both are of it. You know, flowcharts and stuff like that. I think if we, if as the manufacturer, as a legal manufacturer, you know, th this ca can all be driven out of the one quality system, but given. You know the consultations coming out, and it's just came out obviously for you know improving the new UK MDR and stuff like that. It is worth the manufacturer just treating these completely different. Um, so what you know, like labeling, you can still leverage the harmonized and designated standards and stuff like that, so the consistency can be there. However, I would really recommend essentially just slicing them um, from one another, and just because it just adds for clarity, it makes sure it makes the management of it much easier. So for the labeling, you know, obviously the actual, the affixing of the devices has to be of the, the UK CA and CE is different and the UK NI. So for that purpose, it would essentially be, you know, you can still have it routing from one procedure. Yeah. You could have a labeling procedure, but out of that, you would have to say your little decision tree to say, what's the regulated jurisdiction, UK, CE, this work construction, EU see this work construction, you know, and just have a room from there. Exactly. I mean, mm. it, it will be creating more complexity for management of stock, but it's the safer part where you can then sell this price only in the UK, this one only in Northern Ireland, this one only in Europe, which makes yeah. it uh, makes it easier in terms of not making a mistake and sending products that are maybe not compliant. But yes. at the end, I, at the end, I know that because I had to deal with that also. I know that in terms <laughs> of logistic, uh, the logistic manager will not accept that. He will say, try to push back. No, I want only one yes. label for everybody. That it's yes. for me. I have one stock for everyone, etc. So I know that, but <laughs> it can be difficult. So no, yes. no, nothing to 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 say here. Uh, okay. <laughs> Okay, Adam, so I think we covered most of the part that we wanted to discuss today. Just maybe, yep. um, uh, I think when we talked, you said that you have prepared something that maybe I can share with people. Yeah, so we've got, essentially, I've kind of built uh, like a little PDF that kind of covers everything we've just discussed there, um, which kind of has some hyperlinks out to yep. 
some of the stuff that we've that I've kind of referred to in my because that you know we didn't want to dive too much into detail and talk about section 19.5 of this you know exactly so this little pdf um has some of the detail in it it also has the high level overview of everyone of essentially the narrative of this but also has some links which people can use to access some really useful information if you want great i will put that on the on the show notes as a hyperlink so please uh, use uh, go on the show notes and download that and i will put also all your details um what i mean uh, the details in terms of uh, uh, LinkedIn uh, profile and uh, elements where people can can follow up uh, follow up with you. So um, as you are a consultant, so maybe why people should contact you? Um, oh, if they like me, um, no. So uh, you know, I, I think mostly the the nature of the type of work that I've undertaken is is kind of a lot of it's been you know kind of and kind of knee deep in the middle of this remediation um, and dealing with very complex environments. Um, and the way, you know, dealing with lots of different regulations. But I think it's mostly because I look at things quite simply. Yeah. Um, and I'm a simple guy. I like a simple life. Um, you know, I, I will always try and simplify things as much as I can. And, you know, coming from a background of, I don't know if you remember this, Mania, but when I began working in the medical device industry, I was like so overwhelmed by everything. Okay. So I remember and I know what it's like to be on the other side. So I will always try and make sure that when I'm working with clients or, you know, whoever I'm working with, that we're always trying to just to break it down to its fundamental requirements, um, keep it simple and just, you know, kind of make sure that, you know, we're doing the right thing when no one's looking, first of all. Exactly. Integrity. Um, yeah. But we're also thinking about performance, safety for the devices, but also organizational performance and how we actually do things. Because like you said, you know, I'm with the, I'm, I'm with the logistics manager. Yeah. <laughs> I would love one label. But it just, may, you know, it essentially depends on what's the cost-benefit analysis of this, you know. So I think if they like simplicity, then that's where I think I can work with people. Great. No, I'm great. Saying. So uh, don't hesitate to contact Adam Ray. So if you have any questions also uh, to what we discussed today, to the document that uh, is presented, I'm sure he will be helping you a, a lot. Um, okay, so thank you for uh, your time, Adam. It was really a, a pleasure to have you and with all those details. I'm sure maybe I will have you back to a new update of this UK regulation <laughs> yeah. because this will happen. But um, the message of today is mainly that you have one year for UKCA. So yeah. rush now. I mean, you should have rushed already before. I mean, I tried to also alert before. But um, don't be surprised if in six months, seven months, you have nobody that can help you because everybody will be already... Uh, we're yeah. uh, working with a lot of other manufacturers or uh, notified bodies not able to help because there are only three, I mean two if you are only medical devices. Uh, yeah. So this is maybe uh, the message, if I can say, of this uh, for, for this podcast. So I yeah. hope this all what we mentioned today helped you to understand the situation, to know exactly what to do and to know also the situation for the North Nile and the uh, yeah, region. Okay, Adam, so it was really a pleasure. Thank you very much and I wish you a nice day. Thank you, mate. Bye. Cheers, bye. Thanks for listening. So if you like this episode, please provide a review on the platform where you are listening to it. And also don't forget to share it with your colleagues. Thank you very much.